Putting a title in here, Dr. Michael Lennox. I call you Master Astrologer because that's it. how I feel about you. Um, and I always put doctor. I'm very, I understand the people that are doctors, if you spend so much time doing a doctorate. I will tell you that the first two or three years that I earned that title, if you didn't call me doctor, I was like, oh God, I have a problem with this. Yeah, I know, I know. It's upsetting. It, it's upsetting. It, it, I don't feel that way anymore. <laughs> first of all, I love that you call me honey and baby. I, I really, <laughs> I do like that. It's very warm. Do you do that with your clients too? Everybody, everybody. In fact, it's a problem because there are women who find that offensive and it's like, sorry. Okay. Well, okay. because, you know, honey, baby, sweetie is very informal, but I grew up in the East. Okay. I went to diners where the first thing that happened hey, was- Hey, sweetie. Hey, sweetie. Hey, baby, right. what do you want? What do right. you got, hon? All right, darling. It's like, so to be fed and to be called honey- Yeah. It was, was like, like a very yeah, maternal thing. I don't know if it's also a, a man-woman thing, if it sounds a little patronizing, like- Well, I can okay, understand sweetheart. a woman, yes, feeling patronized by a man. There is nothing patronizing here when I say it. I know, I know. And when I grab someone's butt, there's nothing, you know, I don't apply to cross any boundaries. It just happens. And it's like, it's, it's just it's a fun body part that I can't contain myself. Um, let me introduce you. I know we've started okay. with the chit chat. First of all, just looking at you makes me feel more zen. I see you got like the Himalayan prayer beads on there. Yes, I've got my malas here. And this was a gift from Japan with a moonstone. And, and the moonstones yes. and, and all the geodesic gems. Uh, I am here with doctor. Doctor, not a medical doctor, but a, a, a postdoc, doctor of psychology, Dr. Michael Lennox, um, astrologer. Now, Michael, I have to be honest with you. I have never spoken to an astrologer. Uh, this is my first time, so it's my virginal. I will be so gentle. slow okay. and gentle at okay. first, at and any for, rate. Then just knock me with the Taurus horoscope. I, before <laughs> before we, we dive in, I have to, be, okay, you, you have to break something down for me because I have been skeptical because I have a hard time. And give me a little historical context. How on earth are people deducing personality traits and and events from from stars i mean this is what's you know i get that there's cycles and astrological movement um and and astronomy but to take that and say you're gonna find the love of your life because this is in venus or mars or retrograde or whatever the fuck what what is that michael what is that you no know, i wish i could answer that simply the simple short answer is that, that we are not disconnected from this mechanism that we live in and on. Like okay. we are part of the earth, right? But we feel separate from it. We feel like we're in these little bodies walking on the earth. We've forgotten that we are born out of her and connected to her. So if you put your mind in the earth's consciousness, she's just her little being and there's Mars and there's you know Mercury and Venus, the, these are her neighbors. So. She's just waving across like I might be waving to my neighbor walking up the street. Okay. So the neighbor walking up the street has an impact on me, right? Oh, energetically. so you mean energetically or just on my, on my psyche or, or? Yeah, all of that energetically. Okay. Like if you were sitting in a room with a bunch of people and someone new walked in the room, would not everybody respond to that change? Yeah, it depends. I mean, if you have a personality like me, when I walk into a room, there's an electrifying effect but some well, people walk in and they're like who what 
This right. example works well with people like you and me who yes. bring a lot of, you know, yes. but the pizzazz. That impact of energy happens. The fact that we're so tiny and the planets are so big and far away makes it seem like that movement can't impact me. But the fact is, is that we are connected to it. So as the earth spins, we don't think about being connected to that, but I'll bet your ass that when the light shines on your side of the earth, you're probably waking up. And when the darkness falls in, you're probably going to that, sleep. That I'm on board with. I'm on board well, with that part. Extend that a little bit further out because it's not disconnected from the moon moving around the earth. And we look up and then we're all seeing the same moon. And when it's full, there's this gravitational pull. Can we feel that pull? No, but yes. You know, the, uh, 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 so we just extend that idea out of I'm connected to the spin of the earth. I am connected to the moon spinning around the earth. I am connected to the earth spinning around the sun. I am connected to the different energy on a Tuesday that's different than Monday because everything is shifted a little bit. So the thing that gets in the way, I think, of people getting astrology or even just accepting that it might be so is that we are all connected, though we feel separate. Okay. I mean, yeah, okay. I mean, I'm with you. I get the whole interconnection, and I get the you, you clap here, a butterfly's wings zip over in Japan, all that stuff. I get that we're all connected in mass, and it's all an illusion that we're separate. But I yeah, can't but. help but, um, yeah, yeah. it you know, taking that leap from that where there's pull and energy, because some people have a good day, a lot of people have a bad day, right? So it's not like everybody's experiencing. If the same thing at the same time. Yeah, yeah, everybody's, when there's an earthquake, people all experience the earthquake, right? That seems like a scientific fact that when you're shaking, you're, you're feeling it, right? Um, but the fact. Right, but what if you live in a shitty old dump or a beautifully reconstructed house that's dug into the, like, one's going to fall down, one's not? Right. No, no, I know that. Yeah, but of course, there's a spectrum. And I'm saying if we're both sitting in the same room, let's say, okay? I don't know, whatever. Maybe some people are dead to the world and they don't feel shit. But in terms of taking 76 steps ahead, we're saying that, there, that this sign and when you're born and what time you're born, where did that start? Because it feels very pagany to me. Who, you know, well, we're, we're giving credence yeah. to, we're giving credence to philosophies about it. Now, again, I know that people say that about religion too, and, and mythologies and, you know, but astrology people, you know, again, people really believe it just like people believe in, again, the Messiah and, you know, again, so I'm trying to think as a scientist right. or someone who comes from psychology, who made that leap? Where did it start? And is it something that's only evolved. Give me a little bit of historical context. Sure, absolutely. We're going back four to 6,000 years when yeah. we go to the origins of astrology and the Zoroastrians were the first people to look up and then the Egyptians did that and then it passed along to the Babylonians and then the Greeks picked it up and then mm -hmm. the Romans and then us. That's a, that's a 6,000 year history. So it's like Babylonians and then Venice Beach. That seemed to be the-, the, the well pretty much the the, <laughs> the evolution of it <laughs> yeah but there was you know babylonia greece rome venice beach okay there, sorry there of course i didn't want to admit rome of course yeah. that by the time the romans picked up astrology three thousand years ago that's our european culture our, okay. our european uh cultural history really starts in greece but thousands of years before greece the zoastrians were looking up and clocking energy uh uh, as measurable by planetary movement. Um, okay. 
So what I think gets codified over thousands of years of people looking at, well, what does it feel like when that red dot is over there? And then you do that thousands of years in a row, we get these constructs of repeatable energetic uh, uh, um, sort of qualities that evolved into, well, this archetype means this and this archetype means that. I don't have an answer for you. Like there's no good answer for that skeptical question. The, the leap you have to take in astrology is you gotta leap. Right. Now I'll, I'll defend one thing about this is that if I sit with a person and I look at their chart and I see that something's happened in May, uh, uh, say, you know, four months ago, and I okay. know the archetypes that are associated with the math that I'm reading. And I say, what happened to your love life in May? It must have been awful. And they start weeping because they right. broke up with somebody in May. Okay. I'm likely to have an idea that there's something to this astrology because a timing that's measurable by planetary movement and t- tells a, like a, an energetic story, the story that the person tells me matches. Right. And in your experience, also as someone who's coming in from, I guess, the psychological sciences, but you've seen that over time that really kind of has proven itself to you, that consistency? Thousands and thousands and thousands of times. Now, it it can't be an empirical study because I'm not doing a control group where I'm not using astrology, but as an empirical experiencer of putting dates and things together that match, if I've had that experience, you know, 50,000 times in the last 25 years, I'm inclined to believe that there's some veracity and truth to astrology. I wonder wonder if, um, I mean, look, I think... I think we all, I think there's a, a, a primal need to make sense of the world and to try and find, or at least that illusion that we have a sense of control over our destinies and what's happening to us, right? So, and, and, and imbue meaning. So obviously people that go to religion, and I love all religions. I'm like, I'm kind of a poly, poly-religious. What is it called? A poly, I don't know what the fuck to call it, but um, from- Poly-religious. Sure. Yeah, poly, it sounds sexier than it is. But Judeo-Christian, Baha'i, whatever, Buddhist, Taoist, you know, um, whatever mythology uh, that you create for yourself that gives you meaning and and is not harmful to others, I'm all for it. You know what I mean? Do I get annoyed if someone says to me, you strike me as a Sagittarius and I'm nowhere near? Yeah, I get annoyed. I'm wondering if there is a, and to that point, I think that people that go get their charts it, it gives you a sense of like, oh, someone's going to provide me with more meaning or understanding of yes. myself than I yes. currently have, right? So it serves yes. a, a purpose of some sort of peace of mind. Um, is, I wonder if there are any scientific studies that have done or statistical studies that are like, let's interview 10, 20,000 tourists. Oh, God, people. yeah, absolutely. Are In there? Fact, what's, what's good about that is that, yes, there is a huge body of what an interesting time to be talking about science because yeah i know science what called science and by the way every single person out there who is talking about viruses and pandemics do not know how science works peer-reviewed science is a thing and that is not what people are responding to in pandemic land i know it's it's terrifying it's terrifying. my little sidebar annoyance (laughs) at the world right now so yes there have been Dozens and dozens and dozens of bona fide peer review scientific studies on astrology. And the, <laughs> the good news is that there is science. The bad news is that about 50% of the studies that have been done prove that astrology doesn't work 
and about 50% of them <laughs> prove that astrology does work. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry for that news. But I think at the end of the day, um, like we said, right, there's no, we haven't had proof that there's a God. So, but doesn't, it doesn't stop 90 million yeah. you know, people from believing in it. So you know, one of the things I had a conversation with my, my aunt Barbara, who is a genetic Barb. scientist. Yeah, okay. Like, it's like science, 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 science. And um, what I found coming out of my mouth when grappling with her skepticism was I said, look, honey, I called her honey. Uh, of course. Uh, um, I'm writing every day about astrology and in writing about it and sharing it with the world, I am talking about things like explore your reactions to things, you know, understand what drives you emotionally, be of service more, all of these tropes that are valuable tools for better living. Better, better, I'm yeah. talking about, I am choosing what I speak into solely based on astrology. But I'm certainly not saying today's a good day to jump off a bridge. Right. Right. That would be Tuesday. That would not be a, yeah, that would not be a Friday. You don't want to do that stuff on the weekend. The point is, is that say astrology turns out to be bunk. Right. I'm still helping people lead a more satisfying life by suggesting, you know, quality ways of being in a body and navigating a chaotic and scary. I hear that. I mean, look, anything, anything that turns into a business there's always the danger of skeptics because a lot of people get get drawn to it from a place of weakness or desperation. You know, it's I think it's like the difference between when you go see a, a standard therapist. I know that therapists are not supposed to give directives, right? Therapists like this, the traditional therapy. I know that it's gotten a little more fluid, but you know, you're supposed to. Be, how do you feel? And the difference is between life coaches that have been burgeoning especially over, you know, any actor who didn't get a role on CSI can now get certified as a life coach and they could be a great life coach. I mean, actors, you know, are kind of in tune emotionally, but life coaches give directives. And I think a lot of people that feel stuck, and that's again, the whole thing with, back in the day with EST or Landmark Forum that, that had that multi-culti kind of negative association that take, you know, that kind of pyramid. But it gives people that push. And I think that astrology in some aspect, I mean, I'm talking about this kind of, you open the New York Post, but it says to you, look for love or break up with this guy, or, you know, this is the time for new things. It's that boost that, that people need. I just, I just think you have to take everything with a grain of salt. Well, and yes, you do. But let me, let me do explain something. Please explain away. What you just described is not astrology. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, to group that crap well, in with what you do. There's a specific history about this, but it's interesting, sweetie, because this <laughs> concept of every time I say honey or sweetie, I'm going to laugh. That's all right, tiger butt. We're just going to go there. We're going to, no bad. There you go. Slap it. <laughs> In the 1930s of last century, some astrologer wrote a horoscope about Princess somebody. Maybe it was Margaret. She'd just been born. And okay. Okay. When this child is X years old, there's going to be a big kerfuffle. And it turned out to be accurate because when she was X years old, her father became king. Right. This was like, oh my God, this was so accurate. And this was UK, so tabloid press. I uh, know, they love their tabloids. And they sat around and said, what are we gonna do? We gotta do something about this astrology thing. And someone said, well, I can, you know, everybody has a sun sign and, and, and it's by date. And so I can write this sort of like stuff about like what your day is gonna be like based on what day you were born. Now it's not astrology, not good astrology, not even a little. Okay. 
but people liked the columns. And by the time we got to 1950, every newspaper in the world had a horoscope column. Right. Now, what this did was it introduced the masses to not only astrology, you know, more in a more daily function, it taught everybody their sun sign. But prior to 1940 of last century, nobody would have known what their sun sign was. If they wouldn't have been like, what's your sign, baby? It, right. it didn't exist in the zeitgeist right. of human beings. Well, that's so when someone is wondering what I do as an astrologer yes. and their only experience is, well, I'm a Virgo and I shouldn't date, you know, Pisces people. It's like, <laughs> no wonder you feel skeptical. You know nothing about what I do. Right, right. So break down for me, break down for me what you do in, in a typical session. Do you have to do the chart with the yeah. time of birth and all that stuff? Because I don't even know well, what time I, I was born. I don't know the time of birth because it orients something about how the chart is on the page time-wise. Because the birth, you know, the earth is spinning during the oh, day. But if I don't know the time I was born, you could still chart me? Absolutely. Okay. I okay. would. I would set your chart for like 12 noon on the day that you were born and there'd be one or two things I would ignore. Got it, okay. If they were related to those fast moving points like your rising sign. If we don't know what time you're born, we don't know what your rising sign okay. is. Okay, I don't even know what that is, but okay, I'm, I'm listening though, I'm listening, okay. Well, it's like if when you were born, if you know the time, it's, this is not exactly accurate, but it's, it's good enough for the girls I date to explain. The rising sign sort of just means was the sun rising or setting when you were born? Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. All right. In, in, a, in a global. Okay. 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 So if I set the chart in my computer, which today takes four seconds, you right. know, 25 years. You're not ago. etching out on a Ouija board. Right. right. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my computer is going to show me, say it's 2020. I'm going to look at what are all the planets doing now and how the geometry of where they are now relates to the geometry of where planets were when you were born. Okay. So, so I'm configuration. Look, yeah. Yeah. Configuration, okay. shape, energy. I know what every planet means. I also know what every angle means in terms of a of an archetypal definition that we give to an angle. So what this means is say Pluto out there is squaring somebody's moon. Okay, that sounds okay. aggressive. A square is a hard geometry. The floor and the wall are in a square with each other. Oh, okay, so it's like a 90 degree angle. Right, and they're okay. screaming at each other. The floor is saying, lay down, schmuck. And the, the wall <laughs> is saying, They were Jewish, because Pluto's a nice old Jew. Right, of course, they're just talking in Yiddish, okay. Well, but they're talking this. Right, right. It's not a harmonious, it's right, not a harmonious. No, it right. Right, okay. So I would interpret Pluto, the planet of death and change and transformation and the Lord of the underworld is hitting you hard at the level of your unconscious experience, the moon. Okay. So you might be feeling very depressed or challenged in your emotional life this year. I'm making some of this Sure, up. sure, sure. Okay. But what if that person had... Pluto in a triangle to their moon. Now I'm going to have a different conversation because the meaning of a triangle is like easy flow in geometry. Okay. Is it? I Where thought a circle would be flowy, but a triangle's flowy too? Well, a triangle's flowy because of the geometrical quality of two energies that relate to each other at 120 degrees. This is that awful thing when you were like, 14 years old and you had a teacher who went, there's a point and there's another point and okay. by 45, you're sitting there going, 
when am I ever going to use this? Right. Okay. If I become an astrologer. Every day. There it is. Right. Okay. So once let, okay. So, um, so a couple of things, because uh, now I'm trying to differentiate between what you do and all the, the, the low end crap. Are you able to deduce in terms of categories, like as opposed to just there's conflict in your life, in, does astrology allow you to, 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 to say it's with your children or it's with your loved one? Can you get that specific or yes. is that not, that's too much of a leap? It, it, keep in mind that it's, that what I do uh, involves me and another person, right? It's not yes. me. So it's a talk. Here. It's a talk. It's like a therapy yes. session assisting with. Okay. So let me tap into one question here. Two, actually twofold. So on the one hand, it's almost like the, the, the relief when, when you say to somebody, you're an alcoholic because your dad was like, it's giving a definition that gives someone relief that they're not blaming themselves. Like I'm going through such a hard time because Pluto is, 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 you know, coming up the butt of my moon. Now, take it to the next step as a therapist. Now, would a regular astrologer, because you're also a therapist, right? So I feel like you take it to a helpful, as opposed to saying, stay passive, you're stuck. Like, this is depressing news. Like, you know, you're doomed because the planet of death and doom and transfer, you know, you're, you're screwed now. Don't try and do anything yet because you're screwed for the next six months. Or do you say, okay, now you know why, push through it. Or is yeah, there no point yeah. fighting the planetary configuration? Is that, a, is that an exercise in futility? I will tell you that what you just described about the relief that people feel when I say to them, this angle and challenge with this planet is creating a heavy experience here, and this one is that, and you should be feeling very upside down and challenged and in, in, in emotional turmoil. The relief that people feel, because so many people are walking through life judging themselves for right. how life is not working in the way that they wish it was. And sometimes it's not working because you ain't doing it right. Right, but right, right. It's not working in the way that you wish because of an energetic cycle that you were in. So that, that relief is, I think, what allows someone to then have a conversation about what's really going on for them because they're now not having the conversation of, oh, I'm failing, I'm failing, I'm failing. It's like, no, you're not failing. And they're like, oh, thank God. And that's like, now let's talk a little more deeply about what's going on. Okay. Because I do bring a therapist consciousness to a session, then as the person who's offering the guidance, I have a big bunch of tools in my toolkit that are beyond astrology. Right, yeah. But if I went to a, pure, a purist astrologer, um, is it traditionally for them to, and again, I know I asked you also, how specific can you get in terms of, and is there, is it a, a global accepted, um, is it codified this astrology thing or every, they're like different schools of thought? Oh, honey, thousands. I okay. Mean, okay. So astrology, Western astrology, there's placidus house system, whole house system. So there's a whole thing. So some astrologists would not be as specific to say, you will find love, or this is the time for you to find a connection. And other astrologers will be like, you know, on Tuesday, you'll meet the love of your life, almost like a psychic. Well, this there's a thousand things to say here. One okay. is that the astrologer that's holding the space brings a little bit of how well they can predict or not predict because you're adding to the experience some intuitive ability or, or psychic ability. Okay. I have very little clairvoyance. So I'm not the person who can use sort of a visionary thing and say, yeah, I think you're going to have a ham sandwich on Tuesday. Right, right. So watch out for the temptation to have a salad because I don't operate that way. Don't eat that salad. 
But I will tell you that I get emails all the time from people who listen to the recordings of my sessions, like after the fact, like a year later, and they'll write me back and they'll say, oh my God, everything you said was right on target. But I don't say things like, I think in May you're gonna buy a red sports car. How would I know that? But I say in May, you're gonna move into a place where freedom is gonna take over and you're gonna have a sense of expansion that you didn't have before. That's not specific, that's not a prediction, but they will write to me an email later and saying, oh my God, yes, in May I moved and it was better and blah, blah, blah. And so the accuracy is in the description of the sensation of energy, not the specific. But I'm wondering, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that a great chunk of time there's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, if, if, if you're telling somebody in May you're gonna feel a sense of expansion, hopefully subconsciously even, they're gonna work towards a sense of expansion, right? It's you like know, a pep talk. It is absolutely possible. And someone might say to me when I say, oh, wow, I'm having a heavy day today energetically because of Mars is, you know, up my right. wazoo. And someone will say that that might be a self-fulfilling prophecy. And my answer to that would be, you may be right. Right. Because I don't give a shit what you think. Yeah. I, yeah. I know what my body tells me. Because I've been doing this for 25 years. So I have 25 years of daily experiencing proving astrology to myself. Now, sometimes it's not sexy or dramatic. Right, right, yeah, example, maybe you're gonna have a very boring year and nothing's gonna happen, kind of like me not getting laid for six free. months. I, again, I see value in things, even if I'm a skeptic. So I don't mean to imply, you know what I mean? What you're doing is who, and you don't really give a shit, so it doesn't really matter. I, I, the only thing I don't like are people that rub me the wrong way and you're not one of them. Uh, and I do want to talk about dream analysis too. I do want to get that in there because that's really what um, floats my boat. I just don't like Charlotte. You know, every time I see a psychic or people that are charging an arm and a leg because people are desperate for information or clarity, you know, I mean, that's like, that's the stuff that, but again, they exist and people have free will to go and not go. You know, I think anything, I'm watching Nexium now on HBO, you know, that uh, about that uh, cult that uh, that guy, Keith Raniere, that was like a sex cult and they were yeah. branding the women. So you see these people that are very intelligent that get sucked into a cult because they're all looking for meaning and they happen to fall upon a dude who's a slime ball and is now in jail. So, you know, we're all adults here and you, you know, and you hope that you find someone. I've been to many therapists that were traditional and were completely not helpful. Uh, you know, it's like maybe I, if I come to astrology, maybe they'll help me change my life. Who, who knows? Who knows? As long as you get me like a discount because you do look fancy. There's a very large plant there. Large plants equal high, high rates for me. If you had like a small cactus, I feel like you'd be reasonable. But that plant insinuates like, right? Well, listen, I won't, I won't shy away from this. It, 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 it does cost money to see me. Yeah. But, but there's also an enormous amount of material that I'm putting out every single day that's free. Oh, and perfect. So free shit. Enormous okay. amount of com commitment. And I, okay. and I mean, every single day, I don't miss a day. That's There's amazing. Lots of people out there. I've watched a lot of teachers where they'll come back and they'll do their little Instagram live and they're like, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. It's like, well, what? why not? <laughs> you know, once I started doing Red Robe Astrology, which are these little one minute long videos on Instagram and Facebook every day, I didn't stop doing it every day because I feel like it's my job to right. serve everybody, everybody. But yes, it costs $204 to have an hour with me privately. What's but the four for? Huh? What's the four for? I'm not sure. Okay. I didn't know if there was some sort of astrological meaning, miracle. Four and 204. Ah. 
I don't know. I could say, well, it's numerology, but it's not. It was just, I don't know. Um, you know what? I, you know, I want to serve everybody. And so I make sure that there is wisdom, guidance, inspiration, and hope that I am putting out there on a regular basis. I that love you that. Do not have to pay for. I love that. And I that. do that every day or every week in terms of the, like I do a Thursday so, night. Let, Let me ask you another question, then we can move on to the dream dream analysis. One thing, I'm, okay, so in terms of there's certain facts, astrology believes in certain facts, like this is the configuration, this Pluto is going into, right, or Mercury is in retrograde, and that's a fact, and then things go awry, or whatever the, the, the belief system is. Do different astrologers, like when you see someone privately, do you, first of all, give them a general, like this is what's happening in the universe, or do you know that it affects everybody differently? Like we said, if you're living in a high rise or a thing and you say, Ray Lynn, you happen to be a Sagittarius. You're not a typical, whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? Or you're very resilient. This is not going to affect you. Do you have that aspect? Do you personalize it a lot? Yeah, it's just a great question, by the way. Thank um, you, man. Let, me, <laughs> let me say this, that I am steeped in what's happening daily. Okay. As an astrologer, like it is my job to be hip to what's happening globally and universally for everybody, both in the sort of the arc of the year that we're in and the arc of day to day. And I write about it, I do videos about it, so it's in me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm sitting with somebody, I am considering their journey as the chart describes, but also with the awareness of what everyone's going through. So it does feature into a session, but it's absolutely intuitive it's different for everybody there's not okay. like a formula about it um it really depends on what jumps out at me from looking at the chart in the five minutes before i see somebody determines a lot about how i begin the session and all i'm ever concerned with iris is the beginning right right i just look at the chart before they come so that i know how to start and then i just trust that they're bringing who they are to me. And right. I've got the astrology over here that I'm constantly checking back in with. And my knowledge about psychology and human beingness just by being in a body for 57 years. And the intuitive piece of the stuff that comes through me that I don't know I'm going to say. All of that put together spells a session. It's a lot. And it sounds delightful. It sounds like it's worth that extra $4 to take you into that <laughs> highly personalized Guidance. I feel like the only way something can work is really through a, um, through a, what do you call it? When you incorporate uh, different uh, modalities, right? I believe that in, in therapy too. I, I tried Freudian because then we can get into the dreams, but I tried Freudian therapy, did not do it for me. You know, I, I believe talk therapy, uh, which I've been in, in for a bazillion years now, where I've hashed out my trauma so many times that I've actually strengthened those synapses and those neuron, you know, those pathways where I'm like, this is not help. This is not purged me. And then I tried EMDR yeah. that didn't work for me, but now I'm trying something called dialectical behavior therapy. And I'm going to have a woman um, from Marsha Linehan's Institute come on. And oh, that good, to, good, good. really interesting work. And that to me is the antithesis to me of the talk therapy in terms of like, it's about, skill sets That's right. where, behavior in the room what do you do in the room what, what do you can do you do if i'm feeling overwhelmed i don't want to talk about what happened with with mommy and daddy when i was nine again i, I don't and it's a limited you have to know that information you do but once you know it exactly and throw it away yeah yeah and i wish i had been taught those skills 
as, as a youngster, and I try and imbue my, you know what I mean, my offspring, other people with its practical skills. And I think that's why life coaching has also kind of blossomed in, in the last 20 years. You know, people are looking for tech, right? They yeah. even call it what tech. do I do? Yeah, what do I do? How do I take action, right? Even call to action, even they have that in the, in the interwebs, right? Yeah. The CTA. But dreams, I do want to get into dreams because dreams are fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Is it normal to dream about sexual experiences with your children? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. So I just had to get that out there. Now I feel fine because I was distraught and I'm like, I have so many children and I'm like, okay, they sometimes they pop in there and I'm like, it is normal. Okay. Well, here, let me, let me, let's, let's get a little bit more specific. This was, this was a one. Okay. Sex in dreams are all about image and meaning, like archetypal meaning. And so sex as an act in a dream is more about the symbol of two beings trying to integrate or come together or join in intimacy, which in life, in waking life is, you know, has like, you know, there's kissing and penetration involved. It's a whole thing. Right, right. But the energetic symbol of sex is not sexual, it's merging, unifying. Okay, so it's me wanting to connect with my kids. I have 34, by the way. So I'm just letting you know that uh, I'm a professional surgeon. a lot so. of dreaming. Yeah. Listen, I have one perfect example. We're to saying make- with parents, right? People, that's the classic Freudian, like you have your, your parents and what that symbolizes, right? I worked with a dreamer once and, and I, this, I was so captivated by the example that I put it in my first book and I use it in talks. Is a woman who had a dream about having sex with a coworker that she would never, ever, 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 ever have wanted to have sex mm-hmm. with. Upon exploring the qualities of this person, what we discovered was this dreamer was about to do a public speaking experience that was terrifying her. Okay. This guy that she dreamed about that she would never have sex with was somebody who was very articulate, verbal, confident, and comfortable with speaking. Mm. So, the so she wanted to, to, to merge and have that person imbued. Integrating him. that part right. of her that was well represented by his visage. It's his, her dream though, not his. So it's yeah. the part of her that can speak confidently and by merging, I there's love that. experience of sight. I didn't mean to tackle you with such a shocking question. I just thought, let's put it out there, you know, and just get it out of the way. Correct me if I'm wrong. As far as I remember talking to neuroscientists back in the day, there are two kinds of dreams. There's the, the non-REM and the REM. And the non-REM dreams are usually more realistic and more like I forgot my wallet outside the bank. And then the REM dreams are a little more like I can fly in the air and, and they're a little more out there. That's what I recall. Is that um, not accurate? No, I would, I would argue with that, though. I've got to tell you, it's been a while since I was steeped in, in sleep science. Okay. REM dreams are the ones that are vivid, storyline oriented, and very active. Okay. And non-REM dreams in other sleep stages are usually fuzzy and not clear. Oh, okay. Energy or images and occurrences are present, but not in that sharp, detailed way. Once we go into REM, a whole thing is happening in the brain. The body is paralyzed. The neurofrontal cortex lights up. Um, There's metabolic waste is being cleared out because the brain cells shrink and there's all this fluid that goes in and they shoot up and they shoot out the poop. And and that's how we clean up the brain. You're recapping everything you've experienced during the day in REM sleep so that your brain can say, ooh, that's important. Let's make this a memory. Ooh, that's not important. Let's throw that away. 
and you're having these vivid, 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 vivid imagery that we call dreams. That's the REM dream. Everything else is sort of like a fuzzy stage of sleep where we're more likely to have like, I don't know, there was like a figure, it might have been in a hallway, I don't know. Right. How we know this is by waking people up in sleep labs. Do you find that people that have consistent nightmares are going through something in life or sometimes that's unrelated? Sometimes you can actually be happy and kind of doing well in life, but you're plagued by certain nightmares. Is it sometimes so random that it's just the brain kind of going, you know what I mean? Getting super active? That's a great question too. It's like someone will say to me, do you have to interpret every dream? And it's like, well, you know, only if you want to. It's like, right. you don't have to eat every vegetable, but if you do, it's good for you. Right. My belief is that when a nightmare comes along, it's the psyche's way of saying, hey, dreamer, pay attention. That does not necessarily mean that there's gonna be some great aha by looking at the nightmare if it happened to come up. When you say maybe it's just random, I don't actually believe that anything is just random. Right, right. But that doesn't mean that there's a nugget after every dream. Yeah. That's I mean, it's interesting. I had, because I think I usually, I dream, again, the dreams I remember depends what time I wake up, right? What phase of sleep I'm, I'm waking up in, you know, how clear I can remember my dreams. I'm not a deep sleeper. Uh, I wake up, I'm hyper vigilant, so I wake up very easily. So I don't think I ever have a really healthy, restful yeah. sleep. But I did have a confrontation. Whatever I'm thinking about late at night or during the day does pop into my dreams. So the stuff that's up here that's kind of been floating around, it does make an appearance. And sometimes, that's why I love dreams, when the imagery, I was having issues with one of my baby daddies. And I, you know, the conflict has been rough. And then at night, at, the dream was I was driving in my car. I did look more attractive. I always seem to have a bigger rack in my dreams, but I don't know what that's about. But there was a snake in the car, in my Honda snake that latched itself onto my neck. And I was afraid that if I removed it, I would puncture and bleed out. And then it was just sitting there the whole ride. And it was one of those visceral dreams. Like you're feeling that anxiety during the dream and afterwards it feels real. You know, when you wake up and you're like, is this happening? And then I pulled over to the car and I said, how do I get this snake off? How do I get this snake off? And then I got out of the car and it disappeared. So maybe that's also wish fulfillment that I wish I could. Now, can we analyze that for a minute? Absolutely. It seems very intuitive. I'm like, there's the guy, there's the snake. You know, it's like, it was pretty well, one to one. We start with the first image of your driving. Okay. Right? And so driving is a symbol of just moving through your life. Oh, right? I love that. Certainly okay. In our Western culture, we drive everywhere. So that's how we get around. So the image of driving is about how am I moving through my life in a public way, a social way? Like you're okay. not walking in the woods. That dream would be about, ooh, how do I feel about my intimate walk through life? But a driving dream is about being in public, other relationships, you in the world in a visible way. A snake is an interesting image of change and transformation. What do oh. we all learn in third grade about snakes? Well, I just know Adam and Eve and they're wily. And they, well, you know. take a look at this. We learn in third grade that snakes shed their skins. See, I didn't. Get, I had a bad teacher apparently in third grade. So there, there you go. I was, I wasn't, I wasn't present. Find that third grade teacher and chastise <laughs> them. No, they, they, they grow beyond their old skin. It mm -hmm. pushes the old skin off when the new skin is ready. Right. Okay. They have a representation of change and transformation. So the snakes wind up showing up everywhere as a symbol of change and transformation. 
One place is on the physician's caduceus. It's an right. image of snakes. Those snakes are saying we transform ill health to well health. It's so weird because my association with snakes is so disturbing. I can never see a snake as a soothing image of change and transformation. All I well, see it I as like- It's soothing, honey. Have you ever been to the doctor? Have you ever been sick? Well, Have that's true. But I'm saying there's no positive association for me with a snake. None. But it's transformative. Okay. Right? To, a, to a state now, of anxiety. You, yeah. you brought up the Old Testament snake. Right. Is not the snake responsible for the change and transformation that occurs for Adam and Eve going- Absolutely, yes. connected into the knowledge of good and evil in life itself. Right. So the snake is the change maker. Okay. I would say that the mythology writers who chose a snake, chose a snake because of the zeit, you know, the sort of universal idea inside of us of perceiving snakes changing their skin, connecting to change and transformation now. You don't like snakes. I happen to think they're kind of sexy and fun. I like snake so, skin. Give me a good pair of snake skin boots. I'm happy. But other than that, I just, the lack of control, the fact that they're, you know, that they can suddenly pounce on you and, and the sound, it's just, it's, ugh, sorry. I get it. So if I have a dream of walking through the path in the woods and there's a snake and it stops me and I wake up, it's going to be a different interpretation yeah. because I am comfortable with snakes you not comfortable snakes, we would have a different interpretation. Yeah, makes sense. In this dream, the snake is on your throat. Yeah, like literally here. The throat is where we speak. It's our right. voice. It's our communication. If you have a challenging baby daddy relationship, I'm guessing that the challenges that arise start with the voice. Every relational challenge starts with a voice. You're either unable to speak your mind or unable to stop speaking your mind. Or right, right. Very accurate. Yeah, 100%. Okay. So the dream of driving and getting the snake attached is like, oh, as I'm moving through my life, there's this demand to pay attention to the change and transformation that needs to be happening about how I use my voice, how I speak up, how I refrain from speaking up, how I set boundaries, how I relate. Wow, I love that. I love that. So, I, I mean, I, I could do dream analysis. See, if I were going to pay $204, I would only be doing dream analysis because then you know, you know, because again, I feel like it's really the only way if you're not going to be doing ayahuasca, which I'm terrified of doing, uh, the only way to not to tap into the, to the subconscious and make sense of it because Absolutely otherwise bad. all I'm doing is is judging my actions and my emotions in, in, my, in the level of consciousness. But what's really going on? And that neuroscientist I had on, um, uh, Professor Cerf, he was saying that they're finding now that the purpose of dreams from an evolutionary perspective is, is like rehearsal, is like to train your body how to deal in certain situations. Like, let me see the worst case scenario in my dream, see how I react. So when it finally happens, it's almost like I've been through kind of like a training period. You know what I, I would mean? agree. My, my catchphrase is like, so that we can wake up the next day and do it again. Right, right. We're working out the challenges of being human and being in a body so that we can do better. I was disappointed in the anticlimactic nature of the end of my dream because literally this Asian dude said, pull over. We were at a gas station. I pulled over. I was terrified. And then I walked out of the car and the snake had left. So what is that? Were you able to get the gas you needed? I don't, I woke up. I woke up after I kind of was like, oh, the snake is gone. It's one of those things like when you jump off a building before you hit the pavement, you wake up. So I feel like before I ripped the snake out, you know what I mean? There was a little like, okay, 
But this one, again, it resolved itself in the dream. It didn't, um, it didn't resolve itself, uh, you know what I mean, after. Like I, so I, it, what that would lead me to, if we were in session, would be some inquiry to you about, well, what are the communicative challenges that you're dealing with when intimacy comes into the room and it gets a little scarier because the, the stakes are up a little higher? And so the disappearing of the snake could mean that the challenge that you're in, you're successfully handling. It could mean that once you pull off the certain trajectory that the driving you know, was indicating right. is that the problem doesn't go. It's like where you were heading might have been a problem, but once you sort of stop to read- Ooh, I like that. It You're doesn't, good. You know, it doesn't rise up as much. I, <laughs> I can't give you the tiny little snappy answer here I about love it, it though. But You're it very good. A beautiful inquiry between you and me. Yeah. Because the distinctions that you're talking about are are interpretable. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. I'm trying to think if there are any others. Again, it was, yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't want to go back to the kids thing. Some of them are like 17, 18. You know what I mean? They're, 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 and they're, what can, you know, it's just, I'm kidding. I'm so kidding. I, I know call you child are. services. They're far away from me now, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, how often do you uh, uh, interpret your own dreams or therapize yourself, or do you ever get freaked out by your own shit? When I was younger, it, it was constant. Like there were certainly, you know, in my 20s and, 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 and most of my 30s, it was any and every dream. In, I would say, the last 15 years or so, I just know when it's time. I don't keep a dream journal. I don't write my dreams down any longer, which I did, like with crazy discipline for decades, right? Wow. Today, well, I'm also... So, you know, 57, and I've worked on my self-actualization for decades, and I'm, right. you know, I, and I come from trauma. I come from a house uh, and parenting that was, um, by all accounts, very bad on both parental Right, sides. right, both. You were screwed on both sides. I right. was screwed on both sides. And uh, the blessing of doing the work is you rise up out of the trauma and everything is healable. And so I am no longer nose to the grindstone trying to clean out my my, my dirty underwear because it's clean. Right. So when, when I have a dream that rises up, I know it and I sit down and I work uh, at it. I, I, I have a way that I work. In fact, that chair that's out being reupholstered and being replaced by that little chair over there is where I sit. That's my rumination chair. And I'll literally talk my dream out loud as if there was a therapist in the room. And that's how I process today. Do you go yourself to someone else? Not for dream work, no. Occasionally, no. if I'm stuck with a dream, I have my go-to one or two people who can hold space for me. I love um, that. When did people start saying hold space? I, part of me loves it. Part of me wants to smack whoever says it. It's because so it's become, again, the zeitgeist, the mindfulness, the holding space. What did they say before holding space? Because that has not, they didn't say that 10 years ago. I wonder, what did we say? No one was holding space. There was no holding and there was no space. I don't know what they were just calling you. Just I, I gotta say, I agree with you. It's pretentious as get out, but I say it. Look, I like it. I mean, I get it. It's very, uh, it's very vivid. It makes sense immediately. But same thing with mindful. You know, I love listening to Jack Cornfield. Do you know Jack Cornfield? Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. love him. And he kind of brought, I guess, a lot of mindfulness to the West. I mean, before that, you know, we didn't, nobody even knew that word in the lexicon, mindfulness. What the fuck, you know, holding space. Sorry, I just have to vent sometimes, especially I, in California. You know, for a place that has so many mindful, spiritual people, it's a lot of miserable lost souls, isn't it? It's like, it's, it's unfortunate, but I think sometimes 
people get addicted to the search and sometimes people have too much free time on their hands. I do believe that certain people that are stimulated, I do think, and this is my theory where like, you know, and again, I don't know, because in New York, there's plenty of therapists and, 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 you know, neurotic Jews that started it. And I, I love Jews and, and I, every other, are you Jew? You're not Jewish, are you? I, 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 I was raised as a Jew, yes. Okay, so there you go. Not I mean, I was bar mitzvahed, I was confirmed. I only have one Jewish grandparent. Okay, well, that's the one we should on focus the wrong on. Side. There we go. But there's, there was something about uh, intellectual capacities and, and cerebral analysis that then slowly got more in touch with feeling. You know what I mean? So I do feel like it was, came out of that thought process as opposed to a lot of other disciplines and religious practices that were about stop the mind, clear the mind to get in touch as opposed to let's get yeah, the let wheels. let the mind run. Let, yeah, get the wheels turning. I don't know where I was going with this. It was somewhere profound, but I seem to have lost my complete track. <laughs> I don't know where I was going. Oh, sorry. So places that um, I think that rumination is a luxury. I think it's a, maybe a necessity, but it is a luxury. And I feel like people that have 19 kids or having financial problem, you know what I mean? Or living in the city where there's a lot of stimuli, you're not as focused internally. Your, your energy is right. out. And right. here in California, because it's so isolated and insular, there's a lot of time to look in. There's a lot of time to look in because you're not walking the streets and seeing 96 people, you know what I mean? Or looking, yeah. you're, you're with yourself or other people in Lululemons. And so I feel like there's time and sometimes that gets out of hand. Well, what I gets- like about dreams uh, and working with dreams is that they are also internal and private. They're inside of you. Yes. And one of the things that happens to me with dream work when I'm sort of out there trying to inspire other people to do dream work and they've had the experience of me interpreting a dream and I say, this is what your dream means for my gift. Yeah. And they go, oh my God, that's amazing. That makes so much sense. Then they think, well, that's what dream work is. But that's not, that's my gift and what I can offer. Dream work is just, do you have a relationship with your unconscious? Right. And how you do that is you have a dream, you remember it. That's having a relationship with your dreams. Now you're doing dream work just by remembering it. If you write it down, that's deepening what's available because you're codifying it in a conscious way. If you share it with another human being, that goes even deeper because now you're in an energetic exchange with another human being about something that's intimate and private and personal inside of you. And then if you take that even further and do something like creative in response to the dream, like drawing out an image that came up in the dream or writing a poem about the dream. Now you're really cooking with gas in dream work because you are saying to your unconscious, who's just like giving you a gift. It's like saying, here, here's my little mouse. I'm your kitty. I'm putting a mouse at your door. And if you just dismiss it, you've lost the juice. But if you like pay some attention that's dream work. And none of the things that I just described include knowing what the dream means. Sometimes I get annoyed at my dreams because they, they show me that I'm not over something and I don't know how to get over it. Like there was a, a dude that I was involved with. It's now been probably four years have passed. It did not end well. There was not a healthy closure uh, on either side. And the dude still pops up in my dreams and it either incorporates part memory, you know what I mean, or whatever. And I wake up and I'm frustrated because obviously I can't control what I'm dreaming about. And it's like, do you, 
and I feel, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems intuitive that once you're really over something or if something's in a healthy state, it doesn't creep into your dreams as often, or am I just feeding myself something to stay frustrated? What I would invite you to consider is when the dude shows up in the dream in present day, it's got nothing to do with him. Okay. It's kind of like that trope that when someone's heart is broken, you might hear someone say, you know, the challenges that you're having weren't caused by the relationship. They were simply revealed. That's when they say that Trump came into power and just revealed the racism, but I don't know if I buy oh. that. Yeah, 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 okay. That, that, that works. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that, I, don't, I do believe he is inside it, but that's, we won't even go down there. I want to get him out of this pack conversation. Go back to you, back to my dream, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so your relational issues are your relational issues. And okay. so they got triggered by this person when you were in relating with them. Right. Right. So yeah. they may be gone for four years, but the issue of challenge that showed up back then is inside of you. And you're always working out those intimacy challenges in our unconscious experience. So when he shows up in the dream, it's because he's the right image to remind you of the challenge your unconscious is saying is up again. Now you wake up from that dream and you think, oh, I'm dreaming about my ex. It's about him. I thought I was over that. But I would invite you to forget about him and just think about what did you learn in that relationship? What was the confrontation that led to more self-awareness in that relationship? Because your psyche wants you to pay attention to that today. Right. No, I like that. I like that better because then I, I, I give him less importance and power because what was bumming me out was yeah. I was feeling pathetic. I'm like, why am I still dreaming about this dude who has since, you know, remarried and had four children, but I'm, he, he's still in my dreams? Like, move on. But again, it's yeah. just a reflection that's right. the, that, that he beca- becomes the perfect symbol yeah. for the communication challenge that might be arising that was similar to the communication challenge that was- I'm up. with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Have you, um, are you currently in a, a, a intimate relationship? Not in the way that most people would imagine. Does that mean you're polyamorous and you guys have 19 partners each? What does that mean? You're in an open that means E&M? I am, I, let me say this. I have magnificent forms of companionship in my life. Oh, wow. That sounds plural. Okay. I won't dive well, in. It is plural. And truthfully, I am so devoted to my work. I'm not interested in partnership at this time in my life. I'm not interested in cultivating a relational experience that would require that much of my resource because this is way more important. And so what I have certain needs and desires as a human being in a body that include sex and include affection and and a level of intimacy. And I, I, I have- You have those needs met. I have those needs met. It's nice to have like a selection, like a cabinet and you have, you open the drawer, you know what I mean? With the different needs and you, you fill up that drawer and then you close it and then you open another drawer as opposed to having one piece of furniture that's supposed to s- supply you and fill all those little drawers. Listen, I had years and years and years of either being in a relationship okay. or longing to be in a relationship. Right. This new sense that I have is, is new. It's uh, like two years old. My last boyfriend was in 2015. And when I was talking about my business expanding and that I'd be doing more traveling, his response was, well, not too much travel. And my and you're thought like, was, we are done. Or temporary. 
Like, just I wonder how long it's going to take for you to be out of my life. And frankly, it was about three months. <laughs> That's a long time. It would have been three minutes for me. That's the average length of my intimate relationship. As you get older, your, your, your bandwidth and tolerance for anything requiring work That's right. goes down. I mean, I look at these young couples that go through hell, but they're trying to build a family or they just bought a house to get, you know what I mean? I'm so on the other side of that spectrum. I'm like, oh, are you annoying me for nine seconds? Okay, goodbye. You know what I mean? Like, why would I? I got my dreams to entertain me. I, I got enough going on. I got it going on. I don't need you. You are amazing. So I want to uh, send people to your website. And I know that you mentioned there's a lot of free material, but also if you're interested in booking a session, they can do that on the, on the thing as well. Yeah. Is that michaellennox.com? michaellennox.com. And like that's in some ways all you need. Instagram is where, and Facebook is where I'm daily doing videos. Okay. Um, um, but michaellennox.com is where you can find out more about sessions and book sessions. Okay. Um, and, and you can get to my Facebook and my Instagram. I love it. I love how, again, how you incorporate these different modalities and different qualities. And because again, just I'm not saying I'm a converted. I mean, certain people swear by astrology. I think it's interesting as a cultural phenomenon. And I think there's beauty in it. Just like I see a lot of stories, you know, uh, the Bible or, or Kab you know, Kabbalah and all that and analysis of stuff. There's always something you can glean even if you Absolutely. believe it has no you know, merit, like I don't believe this, you know, it's all metaphor, analogy, whatever you want to call it, mythology, that there's beauty in it. And so I, I still don't know what my sign means. I don't, I, I'm scared to know. Um, I'll date anybody of any sign, even if you tell me that, that we are going to be knocking up on each other's. As windows. well you should. Sun sign compatibility is irrelevant. Really. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm open to anyone breathing at this juncture. So it doesn't matter if they're, they have two signs and nothing's rising and they were born at, at 4 a.m. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Michael Lennox. Please go to his website, uh, Michael Lennox, with two L's in the middle. He doesn't combine them, which is good, because I was afraid that you were going to go one L between the Michael and the Lennox, two L's. He did it the right way. Please visit uh, xraypod.com, www.xraepod.com. You can check out our previous episodes. Thank you so much for, uh, for being my guest. Thank you for having me. Um, thank you all for listening. This is Raylan Casper-Watt signing off. <laughs>